there. Welcome. And thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. What that means for us is that we believe the journey of faith is an upward journey, but also um, we are we feel like um, James is calling us out, out with a variety of upwards, and today um, James is calling us to line up. And so here from James 2, 1 through 17, my brothers and sisters do not claim the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ of glory while showing partiality. For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here in a good place, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there, or sit by my footstool, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, my siblings. Has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor person. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into the courts? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What is good, my brothers and sisters, my siblings? If someone claims to have faith but does not have works, surely that faith cannot save, can it? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
you all, I'd like to start today by introducing you to someone. He's been a friend of mine for most of my life, even though I didn't actually get to meet him until about seven years ago. He's even here today, if you all would like to ask him some questions afterwards. Is it, is it okay? Would you like to meet him? He's a little shy, so I hit him. Just give me a minute. Here he is. This is, this is John Wesley. He's a bobblehead, and if uh, you don't know, he is also the founder of our Methodist movement, uh, the, the Methodist church which we are um, a part of. Now the story of how I finally got to meet Reverend Wesley, even though he's like 230 years since been deceased, is I hope really interesting, maybe a little comical, and so let me share with you. I'm going to put him right here so you all can see him. Give him a little break. So in the summer of 2015, my wife, uh, Brittany, went to her home annual conference, which is just a big meeting with a bunch of church people um, hanging out and making um, some important decisions. And I was still in seminary, so I stayed back for a few days before I joined her that weekend. At most annual conferences, at least pre-COVID, uh, Cokesbury, which is the United Methodist affiliated bookstore, is usually present, and they are selling lots of books in all things church, uh, usually for a slightly cheaper price than on their website. And so I usually spent way too much money at said book stands. <laughs> And so when Brittany brought me to the Cokesbury table before I could even put my books down or my uh, bags down in the room, I was a little surprised and of course very overjoyed. And so there immediately I saw John Wesley in bobblehead form. 
And as a true seminary nerd, I instantaneously, almost uncontrollably whipped out my wallet to say, I am going to buy this right now. But before I could, Brittany said, oh, so, so you like it? I said, of course I do. It's John Wesley in bobblehead form. Who wouldn't like that? And she says, okay, well then don't worry about it. And that was that. Trusting my beloved wife, I walked away anticipating and hoping that I would once again meet Reverend Wesley in bobbling form. And so a few months later, it's my birthday, and there's no John Wesley. But I thought, okay, Christmas. Christmas is soon, and so I wait a few more months with great anticipation, and yet again, I found myself very disappointed because there was still no John Wesley. Like, little kid that didn't get the one toy they've been asking about since summer, disappointed. Like, I'm pretty sure you ruined Christmas, disappointed. <laughs> so I tried to hide my pouty lip the best that I could the rest of that Christmas day. And then, a few hours later, after we had opened our presents, we were wrapping some gifts for some friends of ours that we would see later that day, and Brittany pops up, rushes upstairs, screaming, I have another present for you! And so, as you can imagine, my, my heart is racing with great anticipation, hoping to finally see John Wesley in bobbling form. So she comes down, and there he was with an almost angelic glow. It was finally John Wesley bobbling as she came down. I finally got to have him in my life. I finally got to meet him. You see, she had bought the same gift for a friend of ours who was also a United Methodist pastor, and while we were rapping, she finally remembered some seven months later. I was, of course, extremely excited. My face lit up. I probably giggled like a little kid. My anticipation was finally met, and John was now in my life to inspire my sermon writings. And now if I ever need a little boost, I can just look to John, give him a little tap, and say, is this a good sermon? <laughs> and he willingly nods his head up and down and back to forth, so I never actually know. But I have John in bobbling form in my life now, something that at the time I had wanted for at least half a year, and now I can share it with all of you, hoping that you accept me for my nerdy delights. And I am still very excited about this kid, or this gift that I even bring it to church to show it off to all my friends. Like little kid who just got a new toy, or old toy, I have to share it every chance I get. But here, I hope that you pay attention to this part of the story. It's the most important part of the story. You can't touch it because it's mine. <laughs> so aside from the unending fun that bobbleheads bring, why bring this up? Why bring him to church in our sermon series on adulting? It is, after all, very childish. After reading over our text today, the first thing that came to mind was a story about John Wesley that I have been fond of for some time. 
Because there's a line in our scripture reading that directly relates to Wesley's story. And I'll share that story in just a minute. But first, let's take a look at verses 14 through 17 again. What good is it, my siblings, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Surely that faith can not save, can it? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. This is a saying that has been quite common in our Christian community for hundreds of years. It's easy to remember. It's seemingly simple. Faith by itself, if it has not works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Now, I love this little letter from James. I love it because it is concerned with practical wisdom and a desire to help the readers find a way to live into their faith. The beginning of the passage that Pastor Michelle read for us today is even talking about the practicality of sitting in church. Riches should not get you a closer seat, James says. As a quick side note, did you know that there is an entire denomination that broke off from the Methodist church because they didn't want to pay for seats anymore? It's called Free Methodist. That was only 100 or so years ago. It took us thousands of years to put James's lessons into practice. In verse 8, James is reminding those early Christians that they should love their neighbor as themselves. One of the simplest and most practical lessons of our faith tradition, yet one of the hardest to live out. James's message throughout the book is, is simple and practical. You cannot truly love if you don't care about other people. James is concerned with practical wisdom, and he has a great desire to help his readers, including us today, to live into our faith. So here's a story about John Wesley, the real John Wesley, not the bobbling one. Faith and I think that it can help us apply this lesson about faith without works. Faith without works seems simple enough to understand rationally, but, but what does it look like in practice? Did you all know that John Wesley was the 15th of 19 kids born to Susanna Wesley and uh, Father Reverend Samuel Wesley? Samuel Wesley did not do well with his money and, in fact, spent time in debtor's prison because of it. And so when John Wesley began working at his alma mater of Oxford and started receiving a decent pay, he was quick to buy things that he had never had before. As you can imagine, being 15 out of 19, he likely had hand-me-downs of everything his entire life. Not new clothes, not new toys, probably not even a new Bible. All of them were used from his older siblings before him. So one day, Wesley, now a professor at Oxford, had just bought some paintings for his apartment when one of the cleaners came to his door. And it was a cold winter day, and he noticed that she had only a thin linen gown on. And so he reached into his pocket to give her some money so that she could go and buy a coat, but he found he didn't have anything to give her. He had just bought some paintings, and he used all of his money. 
And so Wesley, immediately convicted by this, he asked himself, as is quoted in one of his writings, Will thy master say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast adorned thy walls with the money which might have screened this poor creature from the cold. O justice, O mercy, are not these pictures the blood of the poor maid? A bit dramatic, don't you think, John? (laughs) I mean, there's no reason to believe that she died. She probably just had a really cold walk home. But Wesley's conviction was so strong. He felt guilt and shame for not having enough money to care for this woman. If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, but you give nothing to supply their bodily needs, what good is that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. You see, John Wesley was convicted because he wanted to act. He wanted to care. He wanted to put his faith into action. And yet, he had just spent his money on what he now considered to be a bit frivolous. This moment changed the way that he handled money for the rest of his life. From this point forward, he would spend about $10,000 in our money today every year, even though by the end of his life, he was making well over $100,000. He was donating over 90% of his income to charity, all because of this one incident with a cleaner with no coat on a cold winter's day. Are not these pictures the blood of this poor maid? Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying this is what we should all do with our money. I don't want to focus on how Wesley spent his money, but instead why he chose the path that he did. Wesley's story illustrates his own response to living out his faith. He was responding to his convictions. His faith taught him to give freely and generously, and when asked to give in that moment, he couldn't broke him. He felt convicted because he believed he wasn't living out his faith. He believed that his faith was now without works. This spurred him to change his actions, to change the notion of how he even thought about money for the rest of his life. As he made more and more, he lived off the same amount year after year, always giving the excess to charity. Now, I like this story because I think it can help us think through this scripture lesson from James today as a way of responding to our faith by living out our convictions. Faith with works. What does that really look like? For Wesley, this was about living modestly and having enough money to care for other people. He was a man of very strong morality, if nothing else. As a college student, for example, he set up a schedule for him and some of his his college friends to visit the hospitalized and imprisoned because of a verse in Matthew 25. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. He took what he read to heart and that's what convicted him to spend frugally for the rest of his life after meeting this cleaning person. 
there's a, a theory that academics have. They, it's a theory that we all have our own individual Bible within the Bible. They call it a canon within a canon. That is to say that the Bible is huge, and we all, with lots and lots of stories, and we each have certain pieces that are very important to us. This, these pieces, this Bible within the Bible, the canon within the canon, is usually what informs our faith the most out of anything. These passages are what move us into action. For example, James quotes, love your neighbor as yourself, a very common verse for Christians today and even Jews to memorize. Others are Micah 6.8, do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Or the chapter in uh, 1 Corinthians, all about love, uh, chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant. And I agree with what Pastor Michelle last, said last week, that we should not take text just a few verses at a time, but instead look at what surrounds them. And so if these verses or any others are a part of your Bible within the Bible, would always encourage you to see what's around it. For me, John 4, the, the chapter of John 4, the woman at the well has been very informative for my work as a chaplain. Because in this passage, Jesus meets someone in distress right where she is. He hears her physical need and relates it to a deeper spiritual one. And she is so excited by this conversation that it changes her life and she runs off to tell other people about it. This text, for me, more than anything else, inspires me to meet people right where they are, in their hurt and in their stress and sometimes even in their joys. It has set a course for a vocation. It has inspired me how to live my faith with works. I think this is what James is teaching us and what John Wesley is showing us in his quick resolve and his spending habits. It's important to know what's important to us. Really, I think what James is alluding to, what he's asking us to do, is asking, what does it practically mean to be a Christian? We can, we can and should profess our faith in God and a resurrected Jesus. We can talk about the church community and its significance in our life, and we can be moved by communion and the spiritual nourishment that it provides, and all of these are extremely important and necessary to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and I think it's important to ask ourselves, what does it look like to live into that faith once we leave this place every Sunday? How do we put our faith into works? As some of you all may know, my wife is an army chaplain, and so we move around often. But one of the reasons of many that we decided to stay here and to be a part of this community is because we saw the great opportunities that Kingstown Communion is providing for its members, for you all to live out your faith. Like collecting food and hygiene items and school supplies to stock the pantry for this school that you all meet in every single week. So much so that they had to create another pantry to care for all these folks. We're packing 15,000, 15,000 nutrient-rich meals to be sent to some of the most impoverished places throughout the world. 
or just last week teaching your children what faith in action looks like by packing birthday bags in cooperation with Lorton Community Action Center to help make sure that every child can have a birthday celebration that they deserve. We're restoring the courtyard at this school so that it can be a sanctuary for kids trying to find some sense of normal as they returned after the COVID lockdowns. This church is putting faith into works, and that excites me. So I think it's up to us. It's up to us to shine our light into the, our little corner of the world, where as Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. Another one of those canon within a canon verses. What are yours? What are your Bibles within a Bible? What piece of your faith makes you so excited to live it out? What convicts you to do good in this world? What motivates you to show God to every single person that you meet? Amen. Do you all pray with me? Oh, gracious, giving, loving, merciful God. You have taught us so many lessons. You continue to teach us so many lessons through the people that we meet here in this place. Gracious God, would you help us live that faith out? Would you convict our hearts here in this place to, to figure out how we can show the world who you are, to shine a light into this world? God, we thank you for the gifts of this loving community, that we do have those opportunities to live out our faith. May we do so individually as well. Gracious God, we thank you for this community, this community that we know will rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, as Paul said. Lord, we thank you that we can come here and be with one another. And so here, God, in this place, revitalize our hearts and our spirits. Gracious God, one of the one of the ways that you taught us that we can do that is by a simple and yet so profound prayer. A prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they asked him, how do we talk to you, God? And so, God, we, we lift that prayer up to you today by saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.